Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Get ready as Pastor Jim teaches on the abundant life because you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. And if you're ever in our area, we would love for you to stop by. Check out our website, www.joychurch.net for service times and events. We are in installment number four of a series that we have entitled The Abundant Life. Have you been growing from this? Have you been learning? Love the subtitle. Because you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. I remember many years ago, uh, I was in Guatemala as a single man. I was very excited to be there. It was my very first missions trip ever. I've been in ministry now 31 years, Corey, long time. I think maybe it was the very start of that, maybe even a little bit before that. I'd raised the money personally to get there. We'd taken a team with us. I just remember how excited I was, Russ, to be on the missions field because I wanted to make my life count for the Lord. And I remember being there, feeling a little bit of vulnerability because, you know, it was new. It was my first out-of-the-country missions trip. And, you know, this was a whole new area for me. And I remember we were at the compound where we were staying. And we were sitting on the grounds in the grass. And one of the representatives of the missions team was talking to us and kind of giving us the scoop of the week and what was going on in the itinerary. And I remember as they were talking, I was thinking, oh, man, what did I get myself into? Just being honest. Very excited about it, but feeling a little bit vulnerable with it because I was like, hmm, this is the first time here. And I just really began to lean back on the Lord and say, okay, man, I was excited to come here. It took me months to raise all the money to get here. I am going to do this thing right. I'm just going to rely on my training. I'm going to rely on God. And I want to make all that I can milk this trip and just get all of the spiritual juice that I can get out of it. And I remember feeling that vulnerability. And then I remember eating things that I didn't know what they were. Uh, they put something in front of me at one point, and I did not know. They said, it's either rabbit or dog, and I did not ask which. Uh, all I know is now every time I get around a fire hydrant, just things change for me. That's all I know. That's all I can tell you. I just have this urge to just, you know, chase parked cars. That's all, that's, all, that's all I can tell you. I don't know. If it was rabbit, I don't know if it was dog. I ate it, and I got to tell you, whatever it was did not agree with me. I remember being on the bus the next day. We were going to whatever ministry site, and I had to ask the bus driver, sir, could you please stop right away? <laughs> Come on, holy people. Somebody out there, just, does anybody know what I'm talking about at all? Does anybody know Montezuma really does have a revenge? And I'm all these things going through my mind and going through my body at the same time. And I remember just thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, what am I doing here? But during that missions trip, my very first one, I had two different. I'd love to give you all the details about it, but I can't, don't have time. I had two different opportunities to pray for two people that were blind once since birth. And both of them saw after I had my opportunity to pray for them in the name of Jesus. It was worth every trip to the throne room, every bit of vulnerability, every bit of eating dog or whatever it was to have God. So someone said, well, I don't know if I believe that. I don't care if you don't believe that. There's two blind people that are seeing that don't care what you think. 
I believe that God is a good God. I believe he loves his kids. I believe miracles still happen today. You don't have to be bothered with it if you don't believe it. But this is all what I'm telling. This is all a part of the abundant life. Living the abundant life. Making a difference for the Lord. Your Bible says, and we've been quoting it this entire series, John 10, 10. The thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we would have life and it more abundantly. Listen to me very closely, church. God never created you as a believer for us to simply muddle through life. Where we're just consuming, where we're just we're living this rut and, and, and we're just sucking up air and taking up space. God created you for so much more than that. Does anybody want to make a difference in the house? Listen to me. Listen to me so closely. Some of you are in here today, and you came in with all kinds of problems and difficulties, and I get that, and I understand, and I want you to know that God is a good God, and he wants to touch you where you hurt. He's a healer. But I will tell you this if you're here and you're hurting today because of adverse circumstances. If I can give you a purpose beyond yourself, your problems will seem a whole lot smaller. They may not go away overnight, but they'll see a whole lot smaller, just like that. If I can get you to live beyond your hurt and beyond yourself. And I'm not telling you Jesus won't touch your hurts because he will. And I'm not saying that Jesus is not a healer because he is. But what I am saying is that there's more that God wants us to experience. We've been talking to you about the abundant life. Let's go ahead and review very quickly because we got some new ground to cover today. We're talking about five aspects of abundance. You remember this? Number one, we talked to you about the altitude of abundance. And we talked to you from Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. He said, Don't lay up for yourselves treasure here on this earth where moth and rust can corrupt and thief can break in and steal. But do, verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Ever say treasure in heaven? where moth and rust cannot corrupt and thief can't break through and steal. And then verse 21, because wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus knew something that I want to get across to you. And listen to me closely, that treasures or hearts always follow treasures. Wherever we're storing up, our heart will naturally gravitate towards. And we gave you two life points that really encapsulate what we're trying to say. Number one, life is not about covetous living. Life is about covenant giving. Number two, we talked to you very clearly. There is coming a time when all you'll have left is what you've given to God. That's huge. One day, whether you realize it or not, we are going to be in heaven. And all we'll have left is what we've given to God. Second thing that we talked about, not only the altitude of abundance, but we talked to you about the attitude of abundance. If we want to have an abundant life, the first thing that we have to do is enlarge our capacity for prosperity. It's not so much about our outward circumstances as it is about what's going on internally on the inside of us. We gave you Joseph from Genesis 39 and verse 2. Joseph was a very poor man, but yet God called him prosperous. We looked at the Laodicean believers in Revelations 3 and verse 17, and we discovered that while they were very rich naturally, God called them poor. Therefore, clearly... This life point is absolutely what we've been trying to say. Prosperity and in poverty begin in the heart and eventually show up in your life. It's an inside job. My outward circumstances will never outperform my inward portrait. It has to be changed here. If anything's going to change, it's got to change on the inside first. Now we begin to talk to you about in enlarging our capacity for our prosperity, the delicate pull between desire and contentment. Both of them are biblical truths. If you, if you have a desire for greater or more, as long as it's biblical, God wants to meet that desire. But yet he tells us right where we are, we need to be content. 
I remember talking about Guatemala. I remember on a subsequent trip, it was a different one. I remember uh, I was invited to come back, and I went back and, and, and had a great opportunity to minister. And I got an opportunity to stay with a pastor and his wife in his home. They were very gracious to do that. But when I say a pastor and his wife in his home, I want you to get an idea of what we're talking about as far as his home is concerned. Really was a shack, and it was a dirt floor, and they had a curtain down the middle so that me and my pastor friend could stay on one side of their shack, and they could stay on the other side of the shack, him and his wife. That's all they had. And they blessed us so big. They were so gracious to us, so wonderful. They actually, for us, built a place where we could powder our nose. It was called a hole in the ground. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I remember when we got there, they, had, they lived right in the back of a cornfield. The cornfield was this high. When we left, it was this high. Now, Saturday is supposed to be my fun crowd. If you're going to be this holy, then the Sunday crowd is not going to be good at all. Ooh. And so we literally, and they, had, and they had one pet. Can I tell you the one pet? Their pet was a rooster. And this rooster had a devil. I'm kidding, but I'm, I think it was the same rooster that crowed when Peter denied Christ. Because I can tell you, before it got dawn, at about 5 o'clock in the morning, every single morning, after a long day of ministering, a long day of ministering, Every single morning at 5 in the morning, this demon-possessed rooster would crow. And I would always look at my pastor friend and I'd say, did you deny Christ? What is going on? Because I knew I didn't. It was not good, not easy. I remember the very first night I was there, we had our sleeping bag, we were on the floor, and, and, and we had this old generator thing, and it had little lights going, and then we turned off the generator, and we were settled down to sleep, and I was so exhausted from all the physical work of ministry and so forth. I just, I, I just got in that kind of dream phase, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, you know, you're, you're just like, everything slows down, and you know, you're like running in your underwear. Man. See, the young people, the young people, they've been in that phase. And they were completely conscious when they were in the phase, which, which is concerning. See, that's why this church is so full of young people, because we are on the same emotional maturity level. Come on, encourage them, would you? I remember just, just lay down and just, just started to doze off. And something with all kinds of legs... Scampered, we'll call it, right across my face. It was about yay big. To this day, I don't know what it was. But can I tell you something? It took me a considerably longer time to fall asleep after that. Turn to your neighbor and go, oh, gosh. Well, I don't know what it was, but it was creepy. I know, listen to me very closely. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, he said, in every state that I've in, I've learned to be content. And I remember that verse, man, and I was, it was a lifesaver for me. Because even though I didn't have much as far as worldly stuff is concerned, I was extremely content. Now, I didn't sleep much. Because <laughs> the demon-possessed rooster and the demon that crawled across my face. But I can tell you this, I was content because I knew I was smack dab in the will of God. You've got to blend that desire for more, and God wants you to have more as long as it's biblical, with being content right where you are. It starts on the inside. So not only do we need to understand the altitude of abundance and the attitude of abundance, but then the third thing that we talked to you about last week was the assignment of abundance. And really, we were talking about in the area of finances, and there's so much misconception in that area that makes people nervous, I know, but we've got to talk about that because it's a real issue in our lives, and you need to understand this. Now, right away, people assume something, and they lump you into something that you never are, and so we wanted to discuss with you last weekend exactly what we believe as a church because a lot of times people get misconstrued. Are you one of them prosperity preachers? Listen to me very closely. It, it all depends on what you mean, because I, first of all, cannot understand you based on your heavy, heavy accent. You one of them prosperity preachers? I don't know what that means. I don't, 
You're just going to have to slow, slow your roll just for a minute so I can understand you. But see, I do not want you to lump me into something that we don't believe or teach or is not biblical. If you do mean this, and this is simple, if you mean integrity, tithing, giving, generosity, priority, production, budgeting, everybody say the B word. Good stewardship, investing, diligent work ethic, intelligent work ethic, wisdom, and delay gratification, then lump me in that who I am, and that's who we are, because that is what the Bible teaches. Not just one of them, not just put $100 in the God genie, and you start spitting out $1,000 bills. That's not what we teach. That's not what we believe. I think that's nonsense. But if you do those things over an extended period of time, you will increase even in your finances. And we don't apologize for that. So there is an assignment to your abundance. And we discover Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18 where the Bible says that God gives us the power to get wealth so that he can establish his covenant here on this earth. We discovered Psalms 35 and verse 27 where God delights in the prosperity of his people but those that favor his righteous cause. What is his righteous cause? The spreading of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, God has no problem blessing you, but he wants you to know we are blessed to be a blessing. And we begin to talk to you about money matters. You remember that? Because there's a misunderstanding of finances and money, what it means and what it doesn't mean. Four money matters. Number one, money does not create character. Money reveals character. So true. Number two, with money comes options. If you can handle the options, God will give you the money. Got no problem with that. And then number three, we talked to you about when you don't understand the purpose of a thing, and that's money, then you abuse that thing. This video, not meant to be funny, meant to be poignant. This guy gets it. Check it out. How's my favorite grandson? Uh, well, Gramps, you know, I think I got life figured out. Oh. Money, fame, and power. You know, so like the king, for example, of this game, he's got money, he's got power, he's got these pawns like this one, following him around, working for him. And you know, if, if I have money and fame and power, and I have people taking care of me, like the king, then, you know, I'm pretty well off in life. Well, I never thought about it that way. It's interesting. Have you ever thought, though, that it may not be about the money that you make, but how you spend the money, how you invest it? You see, it's about the character of the individual, the person's integrity, rather than the power and the money. For instance, it is true that the king is very powerful. He has all these people working for him. That pawn works for him. But at the end of the day, they end up in the same box. Checkmate. And that is true. At the end of the day, they end up in the same box. As I said earlier, it's coming a time when all we have left is what we've given to God. Fourth money, money matter you need to know, money is not moral or immoral. Money is amoral. It's what you do with money that determines its morality. Now... There we go. That catches us up to date. How many ready for new territory? Here we go. Four-part series. That's how we learn. How many know we learn by repetition? How many know we learn by repetition? That's true. So not only do we need to know the altitude of money, the attitude of money, not only do we need to know the assignment of money, but number four, the ascertaining of money. Now watch this now. Of abundance. This is huge. Specifically, we're talking about your finances here because we want to delve into this arena because it's so near and dear to our heart. Let's talk about it. I want you to see some verses right off the bat. We're going to look at some very well-known verses in Malachi chapter 3. I want you to check it out with us at verses 10 through 12. I'm going to break it down for you in a way that we can understand and grow together. Malachi chapter 3, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, 
that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, herewith says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Next verse. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Now, in the New Testament terms, you have to use your authority to rebuke, rebuke devourer. Use the name of Jesus. But here you can see that he's going to keep the devil off of our stuff. Now, we need to use that authority in the new covenant, but you get that principle. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast your fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, there are so many principles in here. We don't have time to break down all of it, but we're going to give you some main principles so that you can understand the ascertaining of abundance, and specifically in the arena of finances in your life. Is anybody in the house interested? So let's break it down. Let's talk in real terms. If you jump back uh, a little bit, we won't see it for time's sake. Check it out when you get a chance. If you jump back into Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, you'll find that if you don't tithe, the Bible says that we rob God by not tithing. And a lot of pastors have taken that verse and used it to take God and turn him into some sort of a mafioso don. You know, they've taken him from the Father God, and now they turn him into the Godfather. If you don't tithe, huh, uh, God's going to take it out of your hide. Huh. <laughs> you know it's true. You've heard it, and, and you've heard it clearly. We don't teach that here. You need to understand what that means in biblical terms. It doesn't mean some sort of mean thing. Let me give you... Three tithing truths, very important. Number one, check it out, righteous robbery. For the first time, maybe you'll see what this means from the word of the living God. When we rob God, here's what we're talking about. Number one, you rob God from blessing you. When I don't tithe, I am robbing God from blessing me. That's not about him being mean or him going to get me. He wants to bless his kids. When I am... Don't tithe, I'm robbing him of his opportunity to bless me. Second thing that's very clear, when we don't tithe, we're robbing God from the opportunity to bless others. I mean, it's that simple. When I don't tithe, when I hold it back, I'm robbing God the opportunity to bless others. You say, well, can't God bless him anyway? Listen to me very closely. In New Covenant teaching, God always works through people. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, when we give, God gives back to us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men or mankind or people give under our bosom. He doesn't just rain money down from heaven. God is not a counterfeiter. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And when I don't tithe, I'm robbing God from blessing others. And here's a specific case. At this church, we support a wonderful man of God who's got an awesome church in Moscow, Russia. Not only that, but a television ministry all over. We're honored to support, as part of our monthly giving, Rick Renner. Check it out. My name is Rick Renner, and this is... My name is Denise Renner. And we're glad to be with you just for a moment today. And we want to say thank you, Joy Church, for the partnership which you have with our ministry. We do so much in our part of the world. Uh, we have a pastor's association. Of course, we have the big church in Moscow. We have other churches that we support. We have television ministry, which reaches about 100 million people a week. And to be honest, Denise and I are not wealthy people, and we couldn't do that by ourselves. We're only able to do the outreach that we do because of partners like you. And I want to say thank you because that you, the Joy Church, has been sowing and sowing and sowing and for sowing years. and sowing into our ministry for years. And we're, of course, God is changing people's lives in Russia. People are getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and their marriages are, are being healed and their children are being healed. And we have outreaches to orphans and women in drug and alcohol hospitals and, 
And everyone that contributes, I mean, from Joy Church, I mean, this is what you're giving it is meaning to us and to the Russian people, and we're just so grateful. I like to say we've got the car, but somebody's got to put gas in the tank. <laughs> and you all really put gas in the tank so that we can get there and we can do what we need to do. And we just want to say big thank you to you for your partnership with Rick Renner Ministries. Thank you. And we love you. That's why we do what we do. His church has about 3,000 in it in Moscow. They minister to hundreds and hundreds of pastors of churches all around the old Soviet Union. Uh, their television ministry, as you heard, uh, ministers to over 100 million people. We support them every single month. When you tithe, we tithe your tithe. We would never ask you to do something that we don't do as individuals and we don't do as a church. Can we give God thanks? So first, tithing truth is righteous robbery. Maybe you see that for the first time. Second, tithing truth is super storehouse. The Bible says bring all the tithes, and some of you may not know what that is. That's 10% of your income. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse so that there would be meat in my house. Now listen to me very close. Everybody say storehouse. A lot of people do not understand what storehouse is. Storehouse, in the time in which this was written, was a local place, a physical place, where the people locally would bring food and grains, meat and grains, to a place locally, and they would always give where they were fed, watch us now, locally. Don't want you to misunderstand the biblical tithe. Thank God for your giving and your offering, but tithes don't belong to hospitals or charities or your families, or, watch this now, television ministries. They belong in the local church. Those are not my words. Those are the words of the Word of God. And let me show you four scriptures. You don't have time. You're going to need to write them down and look them up for yourself. All of these four scriptures give you in principle that that's where the tithe belongs, in the local church. Now, do those ministries, those things need to be funded and helped? Absolutely. And we do that every single month and are honored to do so. This is not something that we just started because now we have a church. We used to have a travel ministry. We used to have, uh, we still have a Bible institute, but that's all we did full time. On all of our material, we would always write, your tithe belongs in the local church. We would take offerings but never the tithe. There were times, watch this now, where I knew somebody was tithing to our ministry and I actually sent it, sent it back to them with a loving note. That's how much I believe in this principle. I believed in it before we had a church. I believe in it now. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So... Not only do we need to understand uh, super storehouses, not only do we need to understand uh, righteous robbery, but number three, check it out, tithing treasure. Let's find out what your benefits are from those verses that we just saw. Now, how many, uh, you, you ought to be excited about this part. All the bad news is done. Now, the good news is here. This is all for your benefit. Tithing is for your benefit, all of these benefits taken from the words that we just saw in Malachi chapter 3. So huge. Number one, check it out. Open windows of heaven. Now, the Bible says if we tithe, God opens the windows of heaven and pour out, pours out blessings upon us. We don't have room enough to receive. Please do not limit God to simple money. When you hear that, he's not going to open up a window of heaven and pour out $100 bills. That's not what he's talking about. Let me give you six window wonders. See how sneaky I am? Check it out. Don't limit God to just money. Remember I told you earlier, he gives us the power to get wealth. He doesn't give you wealth. He gives you the power to get it. So look for these open windows. Check it out. Number two, ideas. Thank you for your enthusiasm. God will give you an idea that all of a sudden you can start a whole business off of. We have all kinds of entrepreneurs in the house, and I thank God for you. 
Listen, entrepreneurs, look for God-given ideas. If you're a tither, you ought to expect them. This whole church started with a God-given idea. Second thing you need to understand is concepts. So when God opens that window to him, don't just think money, ideas, concepts. Number three, four, creativity. God will give you creativity. How many know that God is the creator? He is full of creativity. Fifth thing you need to know, problem solving. I told my son the other day, and this is huge. I said, son, I said, the bigger problems that you solve in life, the more that you will get paid for that. If, if you're a janitor, God bless you, you're solving a problem, and you're getting paid for that. That's, that's a trash problem. God bless you. We love you, and God loves you, and he wants to bless you. But how many understand if you're a doctor, you're solving larger problems? Therefore, you're likely going to get paid more over here because the problem solving that you're doing, it is a much higher level. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Nothing wrong with this. I'm not downing this. I'm just saying don't be jealous of people in here that are getting blessed because it's likely that they're solving some large problems. Number six, wisdom. God will give you funnels of wisdom. He opens up the windows of heaven. And wisdom is in the Greek language is the Greek of sophos. It means divine insight. How many could go for divine insight? Man, I mean, just like that, you get one word from God, some divine insight can set you on a path of blessing for years to come. We've got police officers in here. How many know we need police officers with wisdom? Just something tells me, man, that pastor's wife seems a little suspicious. We need to pull her over. We have alpaca farmers in here. They need wisdom. Whether you're an alpaca farmer or a policeman or you're just your alpaca or a packing, you need wisdom. <laughs> Thank you for your enthusiasm. Second thing you need to know is released blessing. Not only open windows, but released blessing. I'll pour out blessings upon you. You don't have room enough to receive. Third thing that you need to know, close back doors. You ever feel like one step ahead and then two steps back? Listen, God wants you, if you're a tither, man, he'll close that back door for you. So where all of a sudden your things last longer than they ought to last. You, I mean, you just, it's the blessing of God. I mean, you know, you feel like, okay, you get a raise, and then all of a sudden eight things break down in your house. And now all of that raise is usurped by everything being broken down. If you're a tither, he'll close that back door. Fourth thing, divine timing. We need to walk in the timing of God. Remember where the Bible says in Malachi? He said, your, 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 your fruit will not be yielded before its time. How many know we need to walk in divine timing? How many of you ladies like it when you walk into Belks and bang, 90% off? My wife thinks that's divine timing. I think that is the devil. She thinks, I have to have it. It's 90% off. Would you have bought it? Uh, if there was no sale. No, but it's 90% off. <laughs> Somebody, any men in the house know what I'm talking about? All right, thank you. Thank you. It's a sale. You got to have it. You got to have it. But when you walk in God's timing, listen, we've been on a, a personally, we've been on a house search for, for quite some time. Uh, I mean, long time. And, you know, my wife been so diligent with it, searching the Internet, you know, and going and looking at places and, nah, this is not it, and nah, this is not it. And she has a favorite neighborhood that she was in. And, and, and she wanted me to come and, you know, she, I, I looked at a house in that neighborhood and it was just, nah, it, just, it, it didn't work. But then I saw a house at the end of the cul-de-sac in her favorite neighborhood. And I said, I pointed at it. I said, you see that house right there? I said, that's the kind of house that I want right there. She said, well, honey, it's not even for sale. I said, it will be. We live in that house. We moved in Friday. True story. Now, I'm not telling you, you just point at stuff and you point at the owner, get out. You know, just get out. I'm not telling you that. You can't jerk people's free will around. But I'm telling you what I, isn't that true? And we're on, we were on vacation and she called me and she said, 
I was in the other room, and she said, honey, she goes, get in here. She's on the computer. She goes, get in here. She's always bossing me around. <laughs> get in here. I said, what? And she said, that house you pointed at and said that's going to come open? She, she said, it's for sale. She said, you got to watch what you point at, boy. <laughs> I, mean, I got a finger, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> and so, I mean, no joke. And so I said, I'm telling you. And she's like, well, I, I said, I'm telling you, that's our house. I said, I'm telling you, that's our house. She goes, oh, well, it doesn't have quite the kitchen that I like. it. I'm I said, baby, that's our house. I'm telling you. We live in that house. I give God thanks. Can we give God thanks? Come on. Don't, don't be mad. Divine timing. Divine, it was divine timing. Everything just had boom, boom, boom. Divine, number five, divine promotion. You're tired, man. You, divine promotion. Anybody could use it for a, a promotion? Pastor Dave's got his hand up. Yeah. Put that hand down, Pastor Dave. Five tithing tips. Now, that's important. Now, I'm going to give you four tithing testimonials. How many know I'm sneaky with my sub points? But we're gaining ground. Here we go. Number one, check it out. Trust God with 10%, and God will become your financial advisor for the rest of the 90. Could you use some help with your dough? How are you doing so far? See, see what I'm talking about? <laughs> you could use some help. We all can. Trust God with the 10, and then God jumps in as your financial advisor for the 90. Prove him. This guy did not listen to his financial advisor. Check it out. Wow, that is some good advice. Thank you. Thank you so much for the financial advice. But I've, I've, I've been looking, thinking about getting an iPhone, and I was just wondering what you thought about that. Well, young man, that iPhone's going to cost you $299, plus a $36 activation fee. In addition to that, if you want the ultimate plan, it's going to cost you $130 per month. The two-year contract will actually cost you, over the two-year period, $3,455. If you extend that program for another four years, you'll spend almost $10,000. But here's the good news. If you turned around and you forfeited buying that iPhone, and you wanted to turn around and take that money and invest it for your retirement, because of the magic of compounding of interest, by the time you retire, you'll have in excess of $1 million. So my advice to you is, forget about the iPhone, take the million dollars. That's some good advice. Yes! I've got an iPhone! Yes! Got an iPhone! Yes! <laughs> Did not listen to his financial advisor. <laughs> Number two, check it out. He will take responsibility for our needs when we prioritize his kingdom. If you put his kingdom first with your tithe, I can tell you right now, God will jump all into your 90 and say, all right, son, all right, daughter, I got you covered. I lost all my friends. Number three, if we will transfer our concern to what's important to him, he will take responsibility for what's important to us. Now listen to me very closely. For the longest time, my wife and I, Matthew 6, have sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We've really been all about the kingdom of God and building it. You, you, I mean, Emily's been around for all of that period of time. We've known her since she was 14 years old. We've been all about the kingdom of God. It is amazing to me how God blesses us so much. We put him first and his blessings chase us down. And not because I'm a pastor, but because I've got my priorities right. I put his kingdom first. Now, can I be really honest and really transparent with you for just a little bit? I, those of you that are our guests here, we're so honored to have you. I try to be real honest and real transparent and not, not preachy. And I, I try to tell you my deal. And if I don't tell you my deal and, and some honest things, then you can never really wrap your arms around what we're talking about. So can I be real transparent for a minute? Will you be kind to me as I'm transparent? Because I can't, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes I'm very open and honest, and, and I can see you out there with your very judgmental looks. 
So will you, will you give your pastor a little love so I don't feel alone? Okay. All right. Let's see. I'm going to be very transparent with you with, a, with something that we have been working financially because we've been doing it with God and with his word. We, all of these principles that we glean, we get them from the Bible. So I want to share them with you practically. Maybe you're not there, but this is where you can go if you follow God and his word and put him and his kingdom first. Is anybody interested? Many years ago, my wife and I, we started out in ministry. We started out with next to nothing. I mean, very, very little. First two months in ministry, uh, we had no salary at all. Our first year in ministry, we made $8,000. Second year in ministry, I think we, I've, this, you know, I've been in it for 31 years, a long time. Second year, I think it was about uh, 13000 Third year, it was about 14000 But as I've said over and over and over, it's not what you make. It's what you do with what you make. And my wife and I have been working a plan for quite some time. We got it from the word of the living God. And we used two words. Watch this now. You're going to hate them because you are an American. <laughs> Delayed gratification. I see the seething hate that is coming from you. And that does not bless me at all. I'm starting to feel alone. Okay, I've got my friends in the front row and that is it. So... So we began to work a plan, and we began to put money back, and, and we decided, you know, we, we were just not going to get a house until we could put a lot down on our down payment so that the monthly payments would be practical and, and we would have margin at the end of the day. How many know you cannot put a price on peace? And we just live in such a plastic society, you know, you know, and so we decided we're not going to do that. So we waited quite a long time for our first house. We had apartment living, but as I've always, always said, it is not the house that makes the home. It is the people in it that make the home. And so we had peace in the house, and we rented for quite some time. We did not get our first house until we, I was in, I think I was 35. I think my wife was 29, and, and so I think I was about 35, got our first house. And we were able to put down about 35% uh, on the down payment and get the payments to where they were low. I think we paid, uh, it wasn't a very uh, big house. It was just a, a nice one, but it was nothing ostentatious. I think uh, our payments were about $430 a month. So how many know, man, our monthly payments were less than what we're paying in rent. So that was smart debt. Anybody, now, now I'm, I'm talking honest. Now I'm not, I'm not talking preachy stuff. But where are we going to learn this? On a bathroom wall? Let's talk about it. Let's get real because the issue is freedom here. And so we're smart then. And so, you know, our payments were 430 bucks. So because of that, what we did every month was we paid down, of course, our monthly payment. And then we would pay three extra payments every single month because it was low. And then every uh, quarter, we would pay a fourth one. And so we were paying it down, paying it down, paying it down, paying it down. Would it help if I just paced and started preaching? Paying it down, paying it down, paying it down. Does that help? Okay, because y'all, can I just teach you for a minute? Can I just teach you? All right, good. All right. And so we're just paying it down. And so we were able to pay it down. Our goal was to pay it off in seven years. Well, we moved in it, and God called us to come here before we had it paid off. Uh, to start this church, but we were about five years into that process-ish, so we had a lot of equity build up in that thing. And then I sold it myself when we moved from there to here. Now, all my real estate agents, every time, I know we got a lot of you in here, every time I tell this story, you all get mad at me. I, I'm going to help you out right now. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> that was a lot of work. Now I can pay other people, but then I needed all the equity I could pull out of it. So sorry, I did all the research myself, bought books, did everything, and, and I was I kicked butt. <laughs> and we made a lot of money off of that. Uh, we, pay, uh, we got a lot of money, they put a lot more than we uh, bought it for, and we had all this equity build up into it. So then we got here, and we planted a church, and we didn't have a guarantee for salary because we're planting a church. We started out with 18 people. But because we did it right, we were able to put down about 67% on our second house here. Now, the payments were 359 bucks. Yeah. And so we started the same thing. Three extra every month, a fourth one every quarter. 
and our plan was to pay it off in seven years. We worked the plan. We paid it off in seven years. So we've been this a long, quite a, quite a while ago. And now I've been working this plan. Whole, and now we've been going for our third house. The third house always was going to be cash because this is the one we going to live in until we retire. Cash. We paid. Uh, we moved in Friday. We paid cash. <laughs> Never, ever will we ever have debt, ever. We're out. No debt for this kid or that kid. Now, you can either rejoice with that and learn from it, or you can go, just like Judas did. When Jesus was getting blessed in Mark chapter 14, that's the same reaction Judas had. First of all, you need to eat more fiber. You keep acting like that. Can't, can't you just, anybody in the house, well, you must be, listen, it's not about what you make. It's about what you do with what you make. Can't you rejoice with somebody and then say, maybe I can learn from that man of God. And it's not because I'm whoop-de-doo. It's because I learned every one of those common sense principles from the book of Proverbs. Every one. And you can start working it too. Now, the issue for me is not Yahoo. The issue for me is freedom. The issue for me is now I have more to give to the kingdom of God. That's the issue for me. Amen. Number four, would you invest in a bank from which you could not withdraw your money? Neither would God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. How many in here, you smart people out there, would just go, okay, I'm going to put my money in your bank. And the, and the banker comes on, okay, great, that's great. Can I withdraw it? Nope. <laughs> Why would God invest in us if he can't withdraw from us? Ooh, this monastery got quiet in this monastery. All right, here we go, number five, and we, I got I to gotta go quick. Everybody say, I got to go quick. I got camped out a little too long on one point. Sorry. I'll go quick. I promise. Number five, the arrival of abundance. Now, we won't go to the scripture for time's sake, my AV booth guys. I love you. You guys are doing great. The arrival of abundance. Not going to come. You know, you know how I teach. It's not going to come overnight. It's going to come over time. Jesus said to Peter, he said, look, you've left all. He said, you're going to get a hundredfold return now in this lifetime. He didn't say by Friday night. The arrival of abundance is going to take some time. So very, very quickly, let me talk to you about that arrival. Number one, check it out. Give ups always precede go ups. You got to give up before you're going to go up. That's just how the kingdom of God works, folks. Second thing that you need to understand, and gives up, give ups are out up front, go ups are out back. Nobody likes that, but that's a biblical truth. It's called delayed. It's called delayed. Number three, check it out. Discipline is initially doing what you don't want to do. So when you don't want to do it, so you can eventually do what you want to do when you want to do it. We discipline ourselves over here with that house, did we not? We didn't get it until we were 35. Now we can do what we want over here. Don't get mad. When you were over here playing, we were over here praying. Now, this is fun for our camera, got to keep up. Now, we're over here and we got a whole bunch of options. Don't you get mad. I was mad at you over here. (laughs) Number four. See, we're moving, we're doing good. Discipline is simply doing what you don't like so you can have what you do like. That's the D word, isn't it? Number five, narrow places lead to large places, and large places lead to narrow places. Now, in the kingdom of God, that's how it goes. Uh, I, I can show you this real, real easy. We're my team. Real quick. Real, I mean real quick. Come on. Come on, gang. Come on. Here we go. Here we go. Real quick. Real quick. Here, this is my young people. All right. All right. Come on. Give them a big hand. Nice. Now, check it out. I'm going to come over here. Here I am. When I start my life, whatever it is, 
narrow places lead to large places. How many of I'm going to walk through a narrow place that's going to take some discipline? I've got a couple of gym owners that I'm looking at right there. I'm going to make, you, make everybody mad, right? Here we go. But you know how it is. You've got a choice in life. You can discipline yourself and exercise. Stay, everybody stay close. Stay close because it's an ugly, mean-looking crowd. And then what happens when I get older? Narrow places now lead to large places. I've disciplined myself, and now if you were asking me how old you are, I'm 54, man. I got more energy than all these young people. I do more push-ups than they can. I can do more pull-ups than they can. True. And it's because I walk through narrow places, have been for a long time. You know what I did before I came here? Worked out. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> now, 54, I can do all kinds of things. Oh, man, that's, that's not good. Now, let's try this. Let's get off of that one. Let's get off of that one. Well, how about finances? It goes back to the iPhone. You can have that, you know, whatever and, and, and all of this and, and the C-do and everything else. And, 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 you know, here you are at, you, at the end of your life, but now you, you're undisciplined over here, but now here you are, you're 70, and you're dependent on the government. I'm in a narrow place now. I'm confined. Y'all just hate me, don't you? Just hate me. Everybody stay close. Stay close, Marty. Don't go anywhere. Let's talk about our spiritual life. It's not always easy to pray and read the Bible, is it? Not always easy to come to church sometimes. I mean, it was pouring down rain and you came anyway. But if you discipline yourself, nobody always likes to pray and read the Bible, but how many like the results that it brings? Thanks, guys. Narrow places in the kingdom of God lead to options. But if you do it the other way around, large places lead to confinement later on. And the last thing we're going to do at Abundance does not come overnight. It comes over time. Come on, guys. God doesn't want us just to exist. He wants us to have life and it more abundantly.